0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hair stylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome to Apostates Anonymous show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, Hosts. authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. All right, welcome back, everybody. Keith Giles, how are you today?
2: Well, other than the fact that I know we're about to talk about this subject and, and this video, uh, I'm doing great. Actually, uh, I'm doing really good. It's been a good week, and you know, there's some really great things happening right now behind the scenes. So uh, I'm I'm excited about about uh, the news and uh, things that are in motion. I'm not sure that we can speak of yet, or I'm not. Should we try to speak of it, or should we wait?
1: Well, no, let's not. Well, I mean, the, the news that Choircast is a thing now is good. okay, that's, that's it. That's, that's big one thing. news.
2: Yeah, we're part so, of the Choircast network, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, welcome uh, to the tourneys and the Kyle Butler, Lola, and Jason Crew of Messy Spirituality.
2: Yep. Yeah. So and this is not church what, and Mrs. Messy Spirituality. And this and for one, whatever Heretic reason Heritage
1: Happy Hour. Those yeah. Yahoo's over there. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's really exciting, and but there are some. We'll just say there's some really exciting things happening with people involved directly with choir mm-hmm, and we've mm-hmm. got some huge projects coming and we've got some cool book projects and partnerships.
2: That's true. Oh yeah, that's true. There's lots of things actually. This is this, so this has been a busy week, hasn't it?
1: It it you really I, has been a busy week. I've, you and I
2: I've been doing lots of stuff besides
1: uh driving myself into the ground a little bit but i knew that was gonna happen when we were like hey let's do all these projects let's do these cool things yeah it's gonna slow down but in the midst of it like it's it's really exciting so yeah yeah somehow we keep rolling with this show for whatever reason
2: and apparently no i love this show we're moving up actually right i think our last episode was the best ever as far as rating rankings and stuff so
1: yeah our um you know, I've been doing a lot more involvement with other podcasts and trying to help people with podcasts and talking to the Choircast folks. So I'm looking more at analytics and, um, yeah, we had our best week ever. So more and more people are listening to the show. We're getting more and more ratings and reviews on iTunes. So thank you if you are listening on iTunes. What's, what's
2: wrong with you people? Come on.
1: Like, I know. What, what? This don't is the, don't this you have something better to do?
2: <laughs> really? <laughs> And uh and we do know, I mean I, I think we suspect that uh one of the main reasons people <clears throat> really do love this podcast is our our sponsors, because really, where where will we be without our sponsors?
1: So yeah, speaking of which, I think we have a, another good one. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard this one. I just put it on the, the soundboard <laughs> and I'm gonna hit play. Oh
2: God. Oh so, okay. god help us
1: all. Here, Here we, we go. go.
2: Popsy Toys is proud to announce the brand new action figure for children of all ages. Bendable Pliable Jesus. Do you wish Jesus was more of a gun loving nationalist? No problem! Just bend and twist Pliable Jesus to look like your Second Amendment militia friends. Want Jesus to become an anti-immigrant xenophobe? Simply mold him into the image of your favorite Fox News host. Need a Jesus who looks like an Aryan white supremacist? Just replace his head to match your own. It's so easy order your bendable pliable jesus today and we'll throw in a free gold-plated ar-15 rifle and matching bazooka at no extra charge visit myamericanjesus.com today and order your bendable pliable jesus doll while supplies last remember god created man in his own image and now we get to return the favor Mm.
1: nice it's about time Replace your own head on that. Oof. <laughs> Oof.
2: <laughs> you know, I love... I, I, it's really great that they have a, an assortment of heads that, you know, you can go through this. Oh, this one looks just like me.
1: <laughs> I, I wonder if um, if they'll have the guts to, you know, um, to have it include a white hood for all Yeah, the, well, you
2: know, the, come on. The, That'll be coming later, probably around Christmas time. They
1: probably want to do a soft launch with that one first.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, yeah, that's all. uh, That's all available only uh to the Patreon supporters, I
1: think. In in certain states.
2: In certain states, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, no. That kind of shit is uh, people. People think that just because, like, I live in California, that we don't have like that kind of stuff here, dude. Mm -hmm. It is nuts. So up here, sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we're three hours north of the Bay Area, so people think like the South has all that kind of shit, and they do. Yes. Um, but up here, dude, we've got like. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck Gavin yeah. Newsom. Let's yeah. go. I mean, there's three uh, let's go Brandon flags in my neighborhood and, and a Donald Trump flag. Yeah. So all that white nationalism shit is like, dude, it's 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 in a California city near you.
2: Yeah. And uh, I am in Texas. So, um, you know. Enough said. We, yeah. We, it's kind of everywhere. But, um, you know, Wendy and I right now are watching, by the way, and this is a little plug, um, if you're not watching it. So on PBS. little, little butt plug. On PBS. <laughs> not that kind of plug. If you, on PBS, if you you can watch the Ken Burns documentary about the Holocaust, Uh, it's America and the Holocaust specifically looking at America's, um, uh, reaction to, you know, the rise of Hitler and the Holocaust and all that. And it is. Wow. I'm, I, I mean, the first episode I was literally like pausing it and just going, what? I mean, blowing my mind, things I had no idea about. And then, but the, as you watch it, I encourage people to watch it because as you watch it, I think you'll be able to look at different points when you see certain things that happen and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's just like th- that right there is just like what's happening right now." I mean, you can draw lines directly from things, mm-hmm. the way America was reacting back then, to directly to things that are happening right now, um, and and the most depressing thing is how often it's Christians, um, or at least people with you know using the name Christian. To the level of last night, we watched the second episode last night and I, I, I paused it at a certain point I paused it and I just said, you know what? I wouldn't blame anybody who was an atheist who said F Christians after watching this. Because the Christians are the worst. Um, just like anti Jew, pro uh, you know, nationalist and oh my gosh, it's just it's horrific. They, so sadly haven't yeah. changed that much.
1: No they really have No did you see that picture of all them holding up and I'm guessing most of them were Christians holding up like the one finger at Yeah the oh. jump rally?
2: chilling yes I
1: I had literally, like I literally most things don't surprise me and I stopped and I was just like I mean I, I picture those you know those old pictures from Yeah early 40s late 30s yeah. Germany and it's like huh do they, do they not see it? Obviously, they don't.
2: They don't. No, they really don't. And um, actually, when, after I saw that, I published a blog post about the dangers of Christian nationalism, which really was just an excerpt from Jesus Untangled. And um, I, I got a f- fantastic response to that post, probably because of all other people like you and I reacting to that video clip, like, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble here. Um, yeah. And then Jesus Untangled jumped to like number 26. <laughs> like the next day on Amazon, I was like, well, damn. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah.
1: It really is. I mean, I know this is not our topic today. We'll get into it. But it really is astounding that nationalistic, capitalistic, fascistic Mm -hmm. people turn to someone like Jesus as their so-called hero, lord, savior. Yeah. Like, have you opened the Bible? Like right. you cannot use Jesus to justify capitalism right. or, or aligning with empire or aligning with the the nation and pledging allegiance to the, like that is like pick someone else.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you
3: know? Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny. Cause like, th- th- and you know, that that's what our sponsor of course is poking fun at today. But, um, but it's true. I mean, I have had conversations with Christians who have really like anti-immigrant, strong anti-immigrant feelings or pro-gun, you know, pro, pro like, you know, violence and all this kind of stuff, uh, attitudes. And, and I'll just challenge them and go, okay, wow, that's, that's fascinating. You know, so what, what specific teachings of Jesus, you know, inform that like, what, what was what was it? Something that Jesus said that makes you really believe that this is a Christian, you know, response? Mm-hmm. Because there isn't one. That's there the whole one. point, right? For you to be anti-immigrant, Jesus was an immigrant. He was. What do you say? He's bra- He was a brown-skinned man who actually his family, you know, fled a uh, a violent dictator that wanted to kill them, went into another country seeking asylum. You know what I mean? Like. So why do you think Jesus would be against you receiving asylum seekers fleeing yeah, yeah. violence?
1: If Jesus was um, from v- Venezuela and yeah. was coming over, Ron DeSantis would ship Jesus to Martha's Vineyard <laughs> and yes, then go a, pray to him, and then yeah. go pray to him on Sunday.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's but, I mean, the this is thing.
1: the this is the level of absurdity, and this is what. You know, for years and years, Matt, why are you so critical of Christianity for years and years? Matt, why do you speak? This is why.
2: Yes. This is why. Like the inconsistencies uh, are the inconsistency,
1: the, the inhumane crimes against humanity. What I guess looks like trafficking, like you're trafficking human beings. And then you go worship Jesus on Sunday Mm -hmm. and you don't see the irony and the hypocrisy.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, man.
1: It's fucking uh, nuts.
2: It it is crazy.
1: <sighs> so, well, let's take a left turn and talk about Elisa Childers today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because um, yeah. Because why not? Because why not? So we uh what well what we think is that uh you you are listeners, you you enjoy when we do reaction sort of uh episodes. So the numbers we, don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And who better than Alyssa Childers, who truly speaks for all progressive Christians? Um, and she she she's the leading expert. Um, in you know, what, what's depressing. What? <laughs> what?
1: If you look up, I'm going to try it again. I looked it up the other day. Progressive Christian podcasts. You know, oh, okay, hers hers, hers bro, comes you know, up first. Okay, not not today, but okay. the other day I I looked it up. Maybe maybe my Google search is a little bit different. Yeah. But the first one was her podcast. So no, no, um, you're well, right. I
2: I did the same thing because I was going to write a, pl- a blog post, uh yeah. kind of listing who are the what are the top progressive Christian uh, podcasts. So I did a similar search, and yes, I found it wasn't on Google, but like other people had written articles about top progressive podcasts. Mm-hmm. And when I clicked on those articles, yes, she was listed because she's supposedly an expert in progressive yeah. Christian. That's what's scary. So,
1: I don't really want to talk about her, but we're going to we're going to hear from her. It's bear with us. It's like three minutes. So it's a three minute clip of a conversation between her and, uh, well, her friend Diana Williams from Southern Evangelical Seminary. Oh, it's Um, Diana
2: Newman, right? Diana Newman. Is that what you said?
1: No, Williams.
2: Oh, is that? okay? Did I get it wrong? Yeah. Sorry.
1: Um, So they're talking about Beth... Allison Barr's book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, by that title alone. It's not a choir book. Um <laughs> so they talk about the difference <laughs> between complementarianism and egalitarianism. And in this clip, they're those specifically talking about junia Uh-huh.
2: Um
1: the apostle junia right? Uh yes. Romans 16. So that will be your context. If you want to open up the if you want to open up the word, turn in your
2: Bibles, please. Turn in Your
1: Bibles. Um So, no, we're going to hear from them. Bear with us. It's a little bit lengthy. So here we go.
0: Can we talk about female apostles? Because this is something (laughs) that really, it's it's sort of a pet peeve of mine. Um, A lot of people just come out and claim, hey, there's this female apostle in the Bible named Junia. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. this is, I mean, there's major Internet platforms dedicated to this. A lot of even, you know people that I would consider brothers and sisters in Christ, of course, who are going to say, yeah, there's this female apostle, but there's a lot of debate about that. And that's coming from Romans 16, 7. Mm-hmm. And it says, greet Andronicus and Junia, or some translations say Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. So a lot of assumptions are made, basically, mm-hmm. assuming that Junia is female. Uh, in fact, John Chrysostom in the the fourth century uh, noted that uh, he talked about this and many of him, him and his contemporaries actually thought that was a masculine name. So, you know, it could be a female, a feminine name, but even if it is, it doesn't even say that the Andronicus and Junius
3: were apostles. They were outstanding among the apostles. They were known to the apostles because of their prominence in the Christian community. Right? Yeah. So
0: so I don't think there's any reason to say outright, oh, well, we have this example of a female apostle, therefore women were these leaders, because there's, there's so much debate
3: over that. It's it's not rock, a rock solid case at all. Not at like. all. Um, grammatically, uh, the gender of that person, or I should say the sex of that person, it could go either way, really. The name can literally go either way. And so there are many... Um, uh, translations that we, and versions of the Bible that we have today, some of them say Junia and some of them say Junius. And, and that's proper because really the name can be, go either way. And um, no translation will it outright be said that they were apostles. We know who the apostles were. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the 12, right? And when there were 11 apostles, the 12th person that they got. It was not open for a woman to be an apostle. All of the apostles throughout church history um, have been understood to be men. Were women ministers? Were they carriers of the gospel? Were they preachers according to what the definition meant back then? Yes, they were, but at no time um, uh, whether in the the text itself, or whether we're talking about early church history, at no time has a woman habited the position of apostle. And so, it's not enough to to make an argument for that based on grammar. Yeah, um, it, it's not enough to make that argument. That doesn't get you to the conclusion. Especially as you rightly point out that um, translations will say it differently. But the point is, is that they were prominent among the apostles, and that they were in Christ before Paul was.
2: Okay, wow, so much going on there, um, and really, so we want to talk mostly about we want to respond to the the statements made there um, about Junia uh, specifically. One thing, first of all, <laughs> when if you notice. When they, when they, when Alyssa first brings up the topic, she's laughing. She can't even say it without laughing. There's, and the woman, all, and the, and the, her guest does the same thing. They both kind of, <laughs> women apostles. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, they can't hide their, you know, uh, right off the bat. They're like very skeptical of this. But my concern is how, so they, um, she says John Chrys- Chrysostom, right? She says John Chrysostom thought this was yep. a man, yep. but I think that's wrong. Um, no, actually, the, she's wrong about that. Uh, and so I, what I did, is I pulled out David Bentley Hart's new translation of the New Testament, which, by the way, I highly recommend because the notes in it are amazing. Um, and he uh, notes, in, under his note for Romans sixteen seven, Uh David Bentley Hart says, John Chrysostom, for instance, opined that Junia must have been a woman of superlative wisdom, inasmuch as Paul accords her the title apostle. That's what John Chrysostom says about Junia. So, so she's wrong there. Just flat out, no, that is not correct. John Chrysostom. I mean, other, yes, other church fathers did uh, play play games with that. But see, this is the other problem about it: is that yes, much later. Centuries, uh, there were translations, and there were church fathers who did um, translate Junia as Junius, uh, or to, to, to they basically turned. It was a sex change, right? They they turned the female name into a male name to say that oh, it could be go either way. Well, it only went either way because there was a concerted effort by men in the in the later church um, history who did their best to erase and remove references to her being a woman. Hmm. So that doesn't prove anything, they, even, even the same way she's th- they both say, and by the way, no women filled that office later, so therefore that proves, no, uh, what it proves is that men didn't want women. It doesn't prove that what that text says. So I want us to get into that text a little bit more as well. Like, let's look at what what it doesn't really say um, about Junia, but Yeah, before that
1: I just before that, like, I It'd be one thing if you were an historian that was just trying to get to the truth of something as a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way I can appreciate what someone is doing. Let's look at the text and let's see who this person was. Just just for curiosity's sake for you know trying to find out. And if your conclusion is we don't know. We don't know if it was a man, we don't know if it was a woman. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But this sort of like apologetic for something. So then you dig into the text in order to prove that something. So this is like, um, it's kind of putting the cart before the horse. It's confirmation bias. It's looking for ways in which to justify what you already believe. Yeah. And so I'm guessing in the question, does complementarianism lead to abuse? They're going to say no. Um, I'm, you know, when they ask those questions, are, are they going to defend a complementarian position? Yes. And they're going to do that before they have the, like, that's what they're, before they look into who this Junia was, that's, that's their hope. Their hope is that, their hope is that, A, Junia is a man. And B, even if Junia is a woman, that she's not an apostle, she's just with the apostles and she's cool.
2: Yeah. The apostles thought she was cool. Like that's the way they want to translate it. So the that's what they're really looking like, for. Yeah,
1: the, that's what they're looking for, and and that's how they're going to interpret the text. So they might be correct in that Junia was a man. I don't think they are, but we can't be a hundred percent certain, right? But that's what they're already looking for. So the whole yeah. conversation is tainted by their presuppositions, right? And and the great irony is that these are two women.
2: That's yeah. <sighs>
1: looking for a way to justify
2: their own um, subjugation. Paid,
1: paid, paid, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah,
2: that's so sad. Uh, and so, but here's the thing too, like you make a really great point too, about like the, uh, the lack of ob- objectivity. So they admit in that clip, well, it's a difficult passage and it's just, it's not really conclusive at all. It's just really hard to say. Okay. If that, if you believe that, then, the way you should react to that passage is to to take all three possible translations of that very difficult to understand text and say well what if it is a woman what if because because you don't know conclusively therefore it could be saying that junia is a woman and and if it did now what right so let, let's deal with that and then okay but what if it's a man? Okay, well then let's deal with that. And what if it is just inconclusive and we don't know? Then let's deal with that. So that would be a fair way of let's approach this text. We think it's impossible to know what it says. Therefore, it could say that it's a woman. And then if it did, what well, would let's let's deal with that? But they don't. They just they just they say, well, it's hard to know. Therefore, it can't be the thing I disagree with. And therefore, it's really this other thing. Case closed. No, you actually have not dealt with any of it in any real way. You've just said it's 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 uh it's not conclusive. Therefore, I'm right. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, because because there were no women apostles, and it's like, well, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Schrader might have something to say about that. How? Right. People like Mary Magdalene were written out. Um, yes. Uh, if, if Peter took the head of the church and uh, he didn't seem pro-women, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like
3: yeah,
1: he seemed challenged by Mary Magdalene. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, so a, I, I want to... It,
1: it, yeah, it's hardly evidence it, because and I'm not going to say there's a conspiracy. I'm just going to say they lived in a very patriarchal world where men, oh, shocking, we still do it today. Yeah, it's it's like saying, well, God doesn't want women presidents because we haven't had one,
2: right? Right.
1: Well, okay. That no. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's not logical so, at all. So
2: therefore, women can't be presidents because we haven't right. had one. Yeah. Because they yeah. haven't had one yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to read the longer note because David Bentley Hart's notes under this text are really there's so much great stuff in here that. Um,
1: They're worth the price of admission on dude, their own. It really is.
2: So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this real quick. So his notation under this passage that mentions Junia. um, By the way, let me just read the way he translates it. He says, Greet my kinsfolk and fellow prisoners, Andronicus and Junia, who are especially notable among the apostles. Okay, so then he says, The accusative form of the name Junia, of whom nothing is known beyond this passing reference, but whose sex was uncontentiously acknowledged throughout the patristic period, tradition assumed, that Andronicus and Junia were husband and wife. John Chrysostom, for instance, opined that Junia must have been a woman of superlative wisdom inasmuch as Paul accords her the title apostle. In later centuries, however, some anxiety was occasioned by that title being attached to a woman. And in projecting later, more rigidly precise understandings of apostolate and episcopacy back upon Paul, some writers started claiming that the reference was actually to a man named Junius or Julius, Supposedly a diminutive of Julianus. As far as we can tell, the first to make this argument was, and get ready, was a man named Giles of Rome.
1: Oh my um, God. 1243
2: to 1316. How dare you. Who probably knew no Greek, but the argument remains popular to this day among those eager to make the church, church safe for misogyny. It can safely be dismissed as nonsense, however, inasmuch as there is no instance anywhere in the vast literary remains of antiquity or of any period within the Greek or Latin tongues of Junius as a masculine name. Junia the Apostle was a woman. Boom. Thank you, David Bentley Hart. Um, the other thing, too, I, I actually wrote a, an article a while back. This is very old, 2011. Um, where I looked at the fivefold ministry. So, um, the fivefold ministry comes from a reference. That's a whole nother topic we can get into later, but, um, that's another podcast, but in Ephesians chapter four, um, verse 11, there's a lot of churches that, that hold to this, what's called a fivefold that what they believe is Paul establishing a fivefold ministry. It's essentially a hierarchy of offices within the, the, the church which are, according to Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those five are, of course, always male. Except that, um, if you go through and look, I mean, not only do you come across Junius as an apostle in Romans 16.7, and I, I wish I could find it because um, there was also, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I ran across an article that was going into the the, the Greek and the... Um, the, the uh, you know, the language there uh, of uh, the the context and everything, the tenses and all that stuff of the verbs in Romans 16, 7, and was pointing out that that phrase that Andronicus and Junia were outstanding among the apostles that um, I wish I could find it. Cause it, I could, I could uh, quote it exactly, but it, essentially what it was saying was the tenses of the verb and the way it's used there and the subjects and the, you know, the verb and all that stuff in the, in the sentence in the Greek, um, it's. It can't be saying that Andronicus and Junia were outstanding basically to the apostles, like that the apostles regarded them as, as outstanding. That the way it's written, it's saying that Andronicus and Junia were part of the group of apostles and among and within the apostles of which they were included they were highly regarded. So that's really the way it's the proper way to understand it. But even in addition to that, I think you can make a strong case for uh, another husband and wife, Priscilla and Aquila, Um, in Romans 16, also in Romans, uh, Romans 16, three, it's in the same exact chapter where he mentions Andronicus and Junia, which is a husband and wife. But in this case, he lists the woman first, Priscilla is mentioned first, and then her husband, Aquila. And he, what he says there is, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Um, and again, many have pointed out that for him to say that they are his co-workers, what was Paul's primary job? He was an apostle. Uh, so they were they were also apostles, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, meaning they were doing the same work he was doing. Um, and he puts them on an equal level with himself. Paul puts them on an equal level with himself. Um, because they were doing apostolic work, the same that he was doing. Um, And they, uh, we also read that what Priscilla and Aquila did was they took another apostle, Apollos, into their home and they taught him things he didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they prayed over him to receive the Spirit and he did. So again, Priscilla is listed as a co-worker, co-apostle in Christ Jesus, and she and her husband, actually teach and instruct another apostle who was Apollos who gets mentioned way more than they do. Um, so there's another, I think you can make a strong case for Priscilla being among the apostles as well. Um, and then you can go down the list. I mean, uh, in the article I talk about women as, uh, as filling pastoral role roles, um, and roles of of pastors and elders, um, and things like that. So those are also mentioned
1: these uh, are the kind of conversations, I'll just be honest with you, that that make me not interested in Christianity. Like Yeah. <laughs> for what good reason, even if Elisa is correct? Yeah. For what good reason? Like just because it says it in a text because someone happened to think that no, this is for men only? Right. Like the way they thought back then, they would be appalled at the fact that she has a YouTube channel and she teaches (laughs) men about the God. I mean, some of them would. Yeah, yeah. it's very ironic. She always uses this phrase historic Christianity and it's Uh like the historic Christians who you like look up to, who you praise, who you, you know, have all this glowing review of yeah. would be appalled at what you are doing some of them would mm-hmm. for for wrong for and and i disagree with them of course I would yes at least sh- of course should have a platform of course she should have a podcast of course she should write books i don't agree with them i think they're bullshit like from what i, I mean i haven't read her books but the videos i've seen i think you know like she's way off she's she's arguing the irony here is that we've quoted David Bentley Hart a man you're a man I'm a man and we're arguing for their liberation out of patriarchal yes. misogynistic ideology and they're arguing to go be placed in it
2: yes yes because yeah that, that is ironic isn't it there's so much irony wrapped up in this whole conversation so here are two women laughing at the idea that a woman <laughs> a woman could be an apostle oh my gosh that's just so ridiculous Um, and, and use really, you know, all they're doing is saying, well, essentially tradition, right? The tradition tradition was men didn't let women serve in equal roles. Um, this passage is difficult to understand, may or may not be a woman. Therefore, just, let's just assume it isn't a woman. And there you go. Women, sorry, shut up and be quiet.
1: This is why we cannot elevate tradition beyond what it should be. I mean, we should Acknowledge our traditions. Yeah. But then move past them because it's tradition to not let women vote in America. It's tradition to not let women drive in countries. It's tradition <laughs> to not let women own land. Um, yeah. Why do we revere tradition so much when part of our tradition, a large part of our tradition, is to oppress anyone who's not a straight white man? Right. It's right. like... It,
2: yeah. It's, so and it's and, and for and,
1: and are we, are we, qu- like when you m- mentioned the fivefold ministries? Yeah. Why can't you be two of those things? Like, you know, right, like, right. we're quibbling between these titles. Like, so what would an apostle do if you can't be an apostle? What does an apostle do right now? Because everyone, honestly, everyone who sends me a friend request that has apostle in front of the name, <laughs> I say no.
2: Right. Immediately. It's, I'm the I'll same way. Say,
1: who, who makes you an apostle?
2: Right. Well, cause, no, so here's the thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, another, another topic we can get into it because this will may take us down a rabbit hole. But um, to me, that fivefold ministry thing is bogus because yes, in Ephesians, Paul does list these five things, but you know, there's two other uh, epistles of Paul where he lists, uh, like there's a fivefold in Ephesians, but there's like a, a sixfold in Romans and there's like an eightfold um, in in Galatians or something. So um, there is no one Universal set of quote unquote offices that Paul sent. So, like, if you lived back then and you were in the church in Rome, you would say, "Oh, fivefold." If you met your friend from uh, Ephesus, you know, he would say, "Hey, we just got this really cool letter from Paul, man, and, and it was awesome because it explained the fivefold minute. And you, if you were from a church in Rome, you're like, "What? No, 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 it's sixfold, man." And he, and by the way, they're not the same. He, they're rearranged, and some things are added, some things are taken away. So there are three separate lists of. Quote unfold, you know, blank number of ministries that for, that Paul recommends for the church. But point is that there there was not one universal thing. He's just in general saying these are different roles that people can serve one another in in the in the body of Christ. He's not intending to say this and only this. Um, but but this what I was be, doing yeah. was in this article was to say it's it, we can't restrict it only to men because like um, just real quick, I mean, so like in Philippians 4:3 Paul mentions uh, Iodia and Sintich Sintich Sintichi whatever I'm how to pronounce that uh, look it up uh, and he says that these two women quote labored side by side with Paul in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of Paul's fellow workers again there's another reference to women working co-laboring side by side with Paul doing the same work he was doing what was that Planting churches, preaching the gospel, right, starting churches in people's homes—they were doing apostolic work. That's Philippians four three. Um, Lydia in Acts sixteen fourteen is a Gentile convert who hears Paul speak and basically starts a church in her house. That's a pastor. Priscilla—we've already mentioned Acts eighteen. Her and her husband are listed as co-workers in the service of Christ, along with her husband with Paul, uh, who ends up you know, teaching Apollos, another apostle. Phoebe was a deacon in the church in Sincrea in Romans 16.1. Junia, right, is an apostle in Romans 16.7. Tabitha was also an early elder in the church who made uh, clothing for the poor and served others as a deacon. By the way, deacon just is diakonos. It just means servant, right? So we've made deacon like this office that you have to aspire to. And when we say deacon, everyone pictures a man. No, a diakonos in the first century, many of the diaconos listed in the, in the New Testament, they're all women. Um, so I'm sorry, you can, you can find women who serve as prophets. And also in the book of Acts, it lists, is it the daughters of Philip? He had two daughters that were that prophesied. So they were prophets. They were serving in the church as prophets. So you can find women doing all those things. They are teaching, they are elders, they're deacons, they're prophets, they're apostles, they have churches they meet in their home, um, which we would call like a pastor. So yeah, women in the early church did fill all of those roles. Yes, also very soon afterwards, um, men decided these were male-only positions and shut that down. So sadly, yes, there is, a, there is a history, there is tradition of women being told to sit down and be quiet. But yet, right at the very beginning, you know, Jesus honors women. Jesus honors Mary when she sits at his feet with the other men and takes this posture of a disciple and says, right. chosen the better thing. And then it says um, emphatically, what she has chosen shall not be taken away from her. Sadly, uh, spoiler alert! A few years later, yes, it was. It was taken away from her, but it shouldn't have been. Yeah,
1: and yeah, and th- this is—we always seem to go to Paul. Yeah, we don't. We don't go to Jesus on this stuff. No, again, like we were he, saying before. Again, but the irony of doing that with Paul is that Paul is always speaking specifically to certain churches, right? Either encouraging them or calling <laughs> Calling him out for acting a fool. Right. He's pissed off in Galatians.
2: <laughs> yes, he's, he's, he's in a upset. Bad mood in Galatians. He's
1: in a very bad mood in Galatians. He's upset about some teachers in Rome. And so yeah. we take these things that he says, you know, the thing to, to Timothy, you know, about women, not a lot, shouldn't be allowed to speak and da, 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 da. Mm. And we universalize them. Yeah, it, w- it would be like if, you know, if you were dealing with something and I wrote you a letter that was very specific to your situation. I was mm-hmm. like, Dude, just tell her to shut up. Tell her to go away. Tell- well, Matt's against women. He wants women to shut up. That's what we're doing. Right. And it could be like, no, this one woman was doing X, Y, and Z that is way out of line and just ridiculous, lying about something, fabricating something.
2: Right. Um, Right. So you're not against all women everywhere. There would be a specific person. Right. And yeah, yeah, the the generalizing of one specific thing to everyone, everywhere, in every church, in every nation, for 2,000 years later, right? Uh,
1: it's a, that's a little it's ridiculous. It's absurd. And, and it all yeah. comes down to this, like, not only have people elevated the scriptures to a place they shouldn't be, but then they, it's it's the, it's another irony and a paradox. They elevate the scriptures, but then they don't take them seriously enough to know what's going on in those places. Mm-hmm. To, to try to understand what is, what would it be like for someone educated like Paul to use rhetoric? Oh, no, he can't be doing that. We have to, we have to take him at face value. It's all,
2: yes, exactly.
1: Everything's at face value. When he could be like the most genius ret- rhetorician uh, of all time, and we don't right. see that. You know, we well, don't even we don't. acknowledge I mean,
2: But we know that that's true, right? This is the, one of, of the problems. Yeah, it's one of the problems with, um, it's why so many Christians don't understand the book of Romans. They don't see the prosopopeia. And I, I didn't either. I mean, for most of my life, I read Romans just straight and flat. This is all Paul telling you, arguing what he believes in his heart of hearts. And until, honestly, Michael Harden, I saw this video clip of him uh, at a conference teaching on prosopopeia, going through the book of Romans, showing you this, these two voices arguing, debating back and forth. The teacher of the law versus the teacher, Paul himself, right? Arguing back and forth. And, and then suddenly you're, you're like, oh my gosh, that is that is exactly what's happening here. And now you can read it and understand it on a level that you couldn't before. And it makes, all of it make so much more sense. And this is happening in almost all of Paul's letters. He's using some form of that argumentation device. Um, or like example, the other day we were taught, I was talking to some friends of mine about um, the book of Philemon which is a letter, right? Philemon is a genius, genius letter, which is an anti-slavery argument without ever saying slavery is is unchristian. But if you follow the logic of what he's saying and the way he's saying it, at the end of it, there's no possible way you could own another human being as property if you do what Paul says in that letter, which is to treat your slave the way you would treat Paul himself. Or or the Lord Himself, right? Would you just to not
1: enslave. (laughs) Which would yes.
2: I'm sorry, would you would you enslave Jesus? Right? No, of course not, right? It's it's supposed to be the other way around. And so Paul argues for that. But again, if you just read it straight, you'd say, well, see, Paul never rebukes him for being a slave owner. Why doesn't he tell them it's wrong for you to own this slave? Let him go. Because he's being creative, because he's being he's using these, you know, a technique. That if you read the whole thing, there is, a, there is a subtext below it that you have to notice. And if you do, then you're like, ah, okay, yeah, I see what he's doing. That was really smart.
1: I think they were way more into rhetoric back then than yeah. we are today. We want plain things like we need to denounce this in the way we would in the 21st century. And in today's context, you absolutely should. Yes. Denou- we need to denounce slavery through and through 100%. percent uh uh-huh. And back then, should they have? Well, I don't know. I didn't live back then. But a lot of times they would take your line of argumentation, they'd flesh it out so you see the absurdity of it. And so they don't even have to say anything that you get to see the natural fruit of your logical path. And so they use this reductio ad absurdum. Yeah. So Keith, you have something stupid to say, I don't have to say it's stupid. I get you to acknowledge it's stupid. And then you have to change. That's right. And 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 so can we say that's wrong? Well, it would be it may be wrong in this world today that we live in. Yeah. We should use that sometimes, but sometimes we just need to come out and say, if you are anti LGBTQ, I have no I'd have no discussion to have you with you. Right. Like I I Oh, sorry, I hit my microphone. I I but back then they may say They may go through this line of argumentation that gets you to acknowledge the absurdity of your ways, which is what Paul does. He does it in Romans. Uh, Lucy Pepiot shows that he does it in Corinthians. Um, He's doing this a lot of times and we miss it. And someone like Elisa, I'm guessing, would would not be willing to read Douglas Campbell's 1200 page book on Romans. And... And or even understand the argument and just write it off and say it can't be this because I already know what Romans means or I already right. know what Paul is saying I already know that Junia is um, probably not a woman and if she is she's definitely not an apostle and then go to the text it's right. like wow right. right that is so backwards
2: right and so this is again why I you know Alyssa loves to poke fun at people like Richard Rohr or Peter Enns you know these she she these are progressives and they're dangerous, and look how that they're twisting scripture. And then she'll go and fall back and, and say, but historic Christianity or Orthodox Christianity says blah, blah, blah. And so the irony is like David Bentley Hart is actually an Orthodox Christian. He's yes, an Eastern he's Orthodox, Easter Christian, Orthodox Christian, yep. and he knows the history, and he knows the Greek. And so why don't you address him? Why don't you say, why don't you read David Bentley Hart's commentary in a video like this? And, and then respond to him because he is Orthodox and he is a, he's a church historian. He reads and Greek and Hebrew. Um, so he under, he has looked at this text in the actual Greek and has studied it and he knows the church history behind it. And why wouldn't it matter to you? I mean, I already know the answer, right? But <laughs> because you, again, it's just easier to say what she does in this video, yeah. This is this is just confusing, boys and girls. This is just hard to understand. So let's not try to understand it. Let's just let's just sit. Let's just stick with this thing that we like, and not rock the boat.
1: Let me say this: Protestants talking about going back to orthodoxy is the funniest, <laughs> ironic thing to me. It's like, no, I mean to think that Luther and Calvin and Zwingli to think that they reformed back to the original intent of the church uh-huh. is pretty absurd like they had their context
3: of course late
1: middle ages uh they when they read romans they read it through their lens when they mm. read paul they read it through their lens and mm-hmm. and it's not the lens of the first century jewish christian it's it's just not right um you know we are closer to Calvin and Luther and Zwingli, 3 times closer than yeah. Calvin, Luther and Zwingli are to Christ. That's to the first that's, century.
2: And again, this is this is why in the past I have I've done some videos and I wrote some blog posts about this like um if we want to if you want to define progressive Christianity as relatively new theology that differs from you know, original Christianity. And I, when I say that, I mean first century, second century, third century, like pre-Constantine, right? The apostles' creeds and, you know, th- th- that kind of theology. To me, when I say, quote unquote, historic Christianity, that's what I'm talking about. The gospels, the epistles of Paul and the church father, the patristic fathers that came after that, okay? Um, progressive Christianity is honestly... If you use, again, use the definition of moving away from that, that's what Alyssa believes. Aly- Alyssa embraces like Calvin and reformed Christianity, which would be the 1500s, right? It's a long time after Jesus and Paul and the patristic fathers. Um. So, yeah, I, I think this, that's why it is kind of funny. And you and I have always taken some time to point this out when we talk about Alyssa Childers, that Uh, When she says historic Christianity, she means like 500 years ago.
1: Well, and she wouldn't say that. And she goes, she would, she would quote Tertullian and Augustine and, and things like that. But it's like. Selectively. (laughs) The, the historic church is so diverse in thought. Right. And I don't think modern Christians realize that. I mean, there's rifts in the, in between Paul and the Jerusalem church. There's rifts from the start. Um, there's a reason why Paul's mad in, about Galatia. There's there's a reason Paul's writing to Rome. Yeah, there's, there's a, reason a reason he rebukes
3: he's...
2: Peter. There's a reason he right. and James he and James contradict each other directly. By the way, there's even reasons why there are things in. I think we mentioned this. We might have touched on this in one of our previous episodes, like you understand that the gospel writers were probably aware of each other of that there were other gospels out there they made no attempt to harmonize them their gospel no. with somebody else they wrote their gospels intentionally like contradicting those other gospels we're like oh no no they're wrong i'm going to tell you the right way um, there's even you know so yeah we see you mentioned how um you know uh, there's been some scholarship that is uh, from Elizabeth Schrader and others that have shown that there was tension between Peter and Mary Magdalene, right? Where Mary Magdalene got erased. Um, there, there's, like we said, tension between Paul and the other apostles, between Paul and James or Paul and Peter. So yeah, early on. And then um, Elaine Pagels, who we had a Heretic of the week on on Hair Capiar recently, uh, she points out in her books that there was even rifts between Irenaeus and Valentinus and other. There, there was a, there were varieties of Christianities. From the beginning. So mm. you see, you see evidence of it in the gospels. You see evidence, evidence of it in Paul's letters in the book of Acts. And we see it in church history. After that, there have always been differences of opinion on a variety of things. And this is just the way it is. It's there. There has never really been this true one, true Christianity and, and uniformity on every issue. There's always been yeah. people who had different views, even on yeah. what, what, what books were, you know, pre before there was a canon of scripture, each apostle, each um, patristic father had their own personal list of books that they thought were were scripture, right? Some of them thought the book of Enoch or the Didache, they, they considered those scriptures. Some of them didn't like James and some of them didn't like, um, you know, Jude. Jude. And yeah, exactly. Even
1: Hebrews. and
2: yeah. yeah, Hebrews and others. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a misnomer. It's like biblical Christianity, historic Christianity. <laughs> right. I like that you said Christianities, and I don't know if you meant that. No, I did. If, I did. If you did, then that's spot on because yeah. there, there are this sort of split and fragmentation of Christianity started a lot earlier than people would probably think or like yeah. to th- or like to think or whatever. Um and so again, and, and yeah, like who are you referring to when you refer to historic Christianity? Right. Um, cause you have to be more specific than just that. Cause if you say historic Christianity, we can talk about, well, I mean, historic Christianity, universalism, indeed very many, according to Augustine, many right. were universalists. So mm-hmm. do you want to go far, right. that far back? No, we better go <laughs> not that far back because that doesn't fit. It's only eternal torment or annihilation. Right. Um, and, you know, she would probably invite annihilationists to the table, even though they're wrong, according right. to her. Right. And, well, I agree. They are wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, me too. But, you know, eternal torment has been taught from the start. The start of what? The start of the- The, like, the start fourth, start.
2: Fourth or well, fifth century, yeah.
1: I mean, it may have been around in the well, first No, century. you're right. It but was
2: around before, but it didn't gain prominence. It was before. around, yeah, but yeah. it
1: didn't gain prominence. And why didn't it gain prominence? Well, most, most of them, according to Augustine, was uh, universalist. Yes. Um, and not, not just because they were like namby pamby liberals, but they were, they based it on scripture. Right. And I think, I think he says as much. Um,
2: yeah, he does actually, he's more gracious than most, uh, other people, other apologists.
1: Yeah. He, he gives them, you know, their fair due and says, he He
2: never says, he never calls them. Oh, they twist. He doesn't say they twist the scriptures. What he says is they Mm -hmm. using this, the, the sacred scriptures, they see it this way. And then he just says, and I see it another way also using. So then let's get
1: historic and become universalists because that was probably the most historic. Well, no, we, and so then, then there'd be an apologetic out of that. And this is why this is so, it's such a tiring religion. I mean, Jesus says my, my yoke is light, not heavy. The the burden, I mean, the burden is heavy in modern Christianity. It is. Very heavy.
2: And the only criteria Jesus gives for how you will know someone is truly my disciple is what? Love one another. Yeah, it's love. It's not doctrine. It's not theology. It's do you love, you know, love God and love others. Jesus simplifies it right there. All of it all of the law and the prophets is is summed up in this. Love God and love others. They'll know you are my disciples if you love one another. And instead, we debate and argue and call each other false teachers and false prophets and heretics and apostates and all that.
1: Yeah. And we'll argue against our own gender, sex,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> being able
1: yeah. to do what we do. Yes. I mean, I can't help but think that many in the early church would try to deplatform Elisa.
2: Well, and you and me. <laughs> well of course I mean probably
1: Yeah, but I mean not because we're I mean, not because of our gender though.
2: No. No, but 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 again, like we at least we live in a time when if we disagree on theology, we don't risk being burned at the stake. Although some people I think, if they had the ability, True. would probably love to see us uh
1: Oh, I've had someone say that uh, they wanted to, what was it, go back to the days where we could lynch people.
2: Yeah. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. Nice nice veiled, not so veiled threat. Right. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, goodness, Elisa, we're just trying to implore you that on the other side of misogyny and patriarchy and societal gender norms and all this yeah, that there yeah. is there's a lot of freedom and man i i would but at the same time you know if if we care more about your freedom than you then have at it like enjoy right. complementarianism enjoy having your gender role like fine right. if, that's, right. if that's not how my wife and i are gonna live you know um that's not how i'm going to advise people right you know well, I don't st- think that's what Jesus Jesus's intention would be. Nor do I even think that's what Paul's intention would be. Should he be living in the first century? I mean, in the twenty first century, right? Um,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, so the the larger video, so that we just took an excerpt. It was a clip from a larger conversation, right? And in the larger right. conversation, if you care to watch it, oh, Lord help you. Uh, but they 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 are start ta- they talk about complementarianism, right? And I think you were saying that they sort of rhetorically asked this question uh, does complementarianism lead to uh abuse of women yep. and 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 their their conclusion after vigorous research is i don't think so but they didn't yeah. really research it like that's the point like again what i wish is like if you're going to approach this question of was junia a woman or not then really take it seriously and really do some study and research and present both sides you know, and the evidence for both sides, and then let people weigh the evidence. Don't just say, nah, I I don't think it is. Let's move on. I don't I mean, believe that, it. I don't believe thing, it does. Yeah, and then the same thing with the i you know what? I'm how hard would it be to do a Google search? I'm sure I know for a fact there have been studies of how complementarianism leads to violence in the home. But women being under a patriarchal system, women being subjugated and and verbally abused. Uh, emotionally abused, physically abused, sexually abused. Yes, it does lead to those things. It, it creates environments that makes it more likely that women will be abused that way. And to not even read those studies, mention those things, to just say, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Lord, help us.
1: Or to, or to just listen to other women. Like, Yes. I mean, I haven't... I'll, I- Full disclosure, I haven't read any studies that show that there's a correlation or a causation. Uh, But I've listened to enough people and heard enough stories Mm -hmm. that when there is abuse and when there is domineering and a power structure, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that lo and behold, the guy is not an egalitarian pushing for women's rights. Yeah. They are the head of the household. They are, you know, the leader. They are the one in charge. They make the decisions, and there seems to be, at minimum, a correlation, if not a causation.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Oh so man!
1: The conclusion, the takeaway is: Junior was a woman. Get over it.
2: Yes, Junior and she was an apostle. Yeah. See, Move on I do day. Yeah, and and this is the thing too. Like, I, I one of the things I want to take issue with is that exact thing. To just say, well, guys, it's just really confusing. We don't really know. No, I think we kind of do. Because, yeah, when you go and look at the supposedly, oh, there were, like she says, there were some church fathers who thought it could have been a man. Well, what she's referring to is men just arbitrarily changing her name to a male name. That's all they did. There was no actual scholarship behind that, like David Bentley Hart's note points out. Look, for a long time there was no no one disagreed with this. This wasn't anything. It came only later my namesake Giles something right um uh, of Rome was it Giles of Rome or something like yeah, that. Yeah, of Rome. I apologize for all Gileses uh, on behalf on of behalf. all Gileses I yes. want to apologize that I had anything in any way to do with this. But um hopefully I'm correcting that now. Giles of El Paso, Texas says.
1: <laughs> it's almost – there's almost as much scholarship as the justification for turning Mary Magdalene into the prostitute.
2: Right. Which is And none. it's like,
1: well yeah, – well, exactly, which was done by a later pope. Yes. Um But it's like saying, well, well you know, they – you know, some some scholars back then – put scholars in air quotes. Yeah. They argued that Mary Magdalene was the prostitute. And so we can't really be sure, so I'm going to go with that. And it's like, no, there's mm-hmm. there's no – that's the justification. The justification was we're just going to do it because we want to. Yeah. Because we're men. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but there's no actual like uh, scholarship behind that change. It's just simply for manipulation. and
2: Right. And, wow.
1: Are yeah. we surprised?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: And the sad thing is it worked.
1: Uh, of course it worked because these things tend to, I mean, this was before the Middle Ages and then no one could read Latin and books were banned and you're not, you know, you're yeah. going to be told what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. If you've made it this far, we love you. We thank you. We do. If you want Please. to rate and review, that would be wonderful.
2: Please rate and review because I know I love reading those, those reviews. I actually went and looked on yep. Apple uh, Podcast and read some of those reviews and they were really beautiful. So thank you all of you for taking the time to yes. do that. It means a lot.
1: Yes. Thank you for spending an hour. Spend five more minutes. Give us a rate and a review. Tell your friends. Check out all the other Choir Cast shows. Heretic Happy Hour, This Is Not Church, and Messy Spirituality Podcast support, we'll our, sponsors. support our sponsors support our sponsors you too can have your own vendable jesus
2: <laughs> i have one by the way